0: This is the Mealtime Magic and Mayhem Podcast. I'm Trisha Clark, your host, cooking coach, and kitchen mentor. We're here to talk about all things food, wine, travel, cocktails, and mealtime memories. So many memories are made around the table. We all know mealtime can be stressful, full of chaos and mayhem, but it's also the universal connector, a catalyst for communication and connection, and a time to create magic and memories. So many of our memories are tied to food, and I can't wait to share some of those stories with you here. I'm here to share ideas, inspiration, and stories to help you experience mealtime with a dash of magic and just a sprinkle of mayhem. You can expect new episodes weekly, including a mixture of interviews, personal stories, and some fun conversations about our adventures and misadventures in the kitchen and around the table. I hope you walk away feeling inspired to try something new in your kitchen or around your table to create more connection with your friends, family, and beyond. Thanks for being here
1: welcome mealtime magic and mayhem listeners we are here for another episode and today i have special guest her name is maggie Connolly, and she's a registered dietitian nutritionist pcos expert and culinary nutritionist she helps individuals make sustainable long-lasting nutrition and lifestyle changes that balances hormones reduce pcos symptoms increase energy levels, improve fertility, and achieve the weight that is right for them. She holds a master's of science in dietetics and a bachelor's of science in dietetics from Duville College in Buffalo, New York. And she also received her BS in hospitality from UCF. I am so excited to have you here, Maggie. And you know, I'm really curious and interested to talk to you about PCOS because I honestly just didn't know there was a connection between nutrition and PCOS. So welcome.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you for the introduction. Thank you so much, Trisha, for having me on. I love talking food. So anytime I could talk to anybody
1: about food and PCOS, my two passions, I'm excited to do that. I it's beautiful that you've been able to link those two passions into something though. I think yeah. it's so cool that we have the opportunity to do that, especially right here in this online space. That's what I love because all my life, you know, my dad always told me,
2: do what you love. And I'm finally following his advice. <laughs> so there we <you> go.
1: <laughs> all yeah. Right, so we're going to start with a fun question, and I use these table topics questions all the time for, okay. I use them on date night, around the family table. I love to use them in interviews. I just think they give you a, a different layer of insight into people. So your question today okay. is, whose autograph would you most like to have?
2: Oh, Julia Childs, for sure. Same. Same. Yeah, for sure. I would love her to sign my cookbooks. I've been in love with her since I was like third or fourth grade.
1: I just recently bought this little book. Uh, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's a whole book of Julia Child quotes. Oh man. I'm going to have to write that. down. I will. I'll put the name of that and a link to it in the show notes, but I will definitely get that to you. It's just lovely. And some of them are short and long, funny, you know, they're just, it's perfect. I just love it so much.
2: Yeah, that just made. Yeah, I really want that book because I feel like <laughs> wrinkle that around my house, like in content.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's why I bought it. I was like, oh, those could be great quote in email or you know, social yeah. media graphic, or just to make me smile. Yeah, just to make you smile you know, when you're having a crappy day. <laughs> yeah,
2: just to like post it on the front of your microwave, and then when you look up, you see something.
1: Happy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's get started. I can't wait to dig in here. So tell us more about your journey into the world of nutrition and culinary nutrition and really how did you come to specialize in PCOS like within that world.
2: Yeah, I've always been a food lover. Like that's just been since I was like 2 years old when I started like making salads my mom said. So I've always loved food and I went to school for hospitality and started working in like a restaurant management things like that and I realized that my passion was really more of nutrition and I went back to school to become a dietitian And when I was also diagnosed with PCOS myself in my early 20s, and kind of was told like most individuals with PCOS that you just come back when you want to get pregnant and here's some birth control and just like go on your way. You'll be fine. When I was in school to be a dietitian, we studied medical nutrition therapy. So we look at how nutrition can help manage medical conditions. And we talked about PCOS and my mind was really blown because no one, none of my doctors had ever told me that I could manage my condition and also the symptoms associated with my condition with nutrition and lifestyle changes. So that's when I kind of got a little angry at first that <laughs> no mm-hmm. one had told me, and that I had suffered with acne and weight gain and mood swings and hair loss and all the symptoms of PCOS for so long, and that I could actually do something about it. So I dug into the research and I ended up writing my master's thesis on the perceived risk of developing t- type 2 diabetes in women with PCOS. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of snowballed, and I've just been passionate about this community because. There's a huge percentage of the population that does have PCOS. They estimate about 13 to 20% of women have PCOS worldwide, but the information isn't there and the education is not there, especially from our frontline healthcare providers. They're just not really knowledgeable about PCOS besides it's a fertility condition, which it's not a fertility condition. It's an endocrine and metabolic disorder that
1: can have reproductive consequences. Interesting. So for those listening who may not be familiar, tell us what does PCOS stand for? What is it? It's polycystic ovarian syndrome.
2: And most women with PCOS will struggle with infertility, but that's a side effect of the imbalance in sex hormones. So the role of nutrition when it comes to PCOS is really improving insulin resistance, which most women do have when they have PCOS, decreasing inflammation and improving gut health. And that will help balance the hormones so you're not experiencing the symptoms where we have like irregular or absent periods, infertility, weight gain, trouble losing weight, complications related to high insulin levels, hair loss, acne, excess hair growth, anxiety, depression. There's a high rate of eating disorders. It's really like a complex condition. That's why it's called a syndrome because it affects so many different parts of you.
1: Interesting. I had no idea. And yes, I've only ever heard of it as it relates to fertility. Yeah. Infertility does affect a lot of women with PCOS,
2: but just because you have PCOS does not mean that you cannot conceive and conceive naturally as well. But one of my missions is to make sure women understand that You know, PCOS is a lifelong condition, um, and we are at increased risk of developing diabetes. So, fifty percent of women with PCOS will have diabetes or prediabetes by the age of forty, and we're at a seven times increased risk of cardiovascular disease. So, it's a serious condition that we kind of just gets brushed under the rug by doctors usually, Mm -hmm. um, and. Yeah, but there's a lot that we can do. It's not like, (laughs) it sounds like so like negative, but there's a lot that we can do to improve our PCOS and our quality of life too. Like that's important.
1: So that's my mission. Well, and isn't it mostly discovered as well when you're already having fertility issues, like that's where it comes up most frequently, right? And that's probably how it's become associated with that.
2: Yeah, because most it's not something that's generally like screened for. So usually after a woman's been trying to conceive for about a year, they get diagnosed with like infertility and then they start getting tests done and it will be like, oh, you have PCOS. It's not I think it's a little bit more common to get now screened when you're younger because other symptoms that providers might see like irregular periods or weight gain, they might be like, "Hmm, maybe we should screen for it. But generally, I think most people do get diagnosed once they kind of experience some infertility.
1: That's really interesting. It feels like a big miss on the medical side of things.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like for me personally, I suffered with like acne since a very young age, and all my symptoms like, like I didn't even realize that they were tied to PCOS when I was diagnosed. Because I mean, I was diagnosed a long time ago, so we didn't have social media
1: <laughs> to like <laughs> tell us all these
2: <laughs> things. So I didn't realize that all these symptoms, like my anxiety, my my excess hair growth, my acne, my hair loss in my 20s was all related to my PCOS. It was really a surprise.
1: So your focus, you said you really discovered a passion for more of the nutrition side within your culinary studies. Share some examples of how Im- you found that improving cooking skills and confidence can really positively impact someone's health, especially in the context of, of managing PCOS.
2: Yeah. So as a dietitian, I know I worked with people in a lot of settings and it's really about when it comes to nutrition and counseling people it's really helping them with like behavior change and if you're not confident in that kind of skill so if you're not confident in cooking or don't know how to chop an onion or don't are scared of the kitchen like you're not going to be able to implement these r- nutrition recommendations that could help you manage a condition so many times i think like old school nutritionists dietitians would just hand you like a list of foods but that doesn't work. <laughs> like a list of foods is not helping you implement that information. Um, so culinary nutrition helps you take the information and make it actionable. It makes it help you implement it into your life. And also takes into the fact like realistic circumstances. Like, you know, if I was to give you a meal plan, but you've never cooked a day in your life, like that's not going to work. So looking at people's skills, their confidence in the kitchen, access to food, food preferences as well. Like that's all really important when it comes to nutrition care. And since I love food, I just want people to enjoy food uh, and not be scared of it.
1: So that's why I got into the culinary nutrition space. I love that. So many similarities between what we do, only mine doesn't have the nutrition focus, but it really is about building that confidence. And because you're right, I can give you 5,000 recipes or a great meal plan, but if you don't feel confident or if you're not excited about the foods that are on it or know what to do with them, it's absolutely pointless. Yes. And then you add in the fact, you know, pre- not just preferences, but our bodies all react so differently to different foods yeah. And there are so many, I feel like there have been so many over the years, you know, diet programs I've been on or meal plans or processes. And you get all that restrictive language going on yes. of the can't haves and here's what you can have. But you're right. Nobody actually says now, here's what to do with it. hmm. The how of it is really important because that confidence is a huge piece. The more confident you get in those skills, the more confident you are, even in making those decisions, even if it's not about cooking, right? It's just another layer of confidence in that I can do this. And I think that's huge. Yeah. How it transfers into other
2: areas of your life, really, I can do this because nutrition is healthy food. Doesn't matter if you don't consume it, right? (laughs) Right. One thing about you said about diets and restrictive diets, and as I've kind of worked with clients, at first I realized like, you know, I have to teach them how to prepare healthy foods that taste good to get them to eat it. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I was working more with clients that so many people have disordered eating patterns from so many years of dieting, especially in my population that I work with. So a lot of what I do, I incorporate like mindful eating practices. And it's kind of like what you do, because you would like build that connection and joy back into food and cooking, Mm -hmm. which is what I do too with these individuals, because they've been told they have to eat like no carbs, no fruit, no dairy, no gluten, like all these restrictive diets that really are no fun end up causing more stress in your life. And then they end up not knowing what to eat, getting frustrated and then binging or something like that. So the restrictive diets, they don't
1: work. And it doesn't make you happy. So and then like, yeah, <laughs> the reason to follow it. Right, right. I see so many synergies between both of our businesses. And mm-hmm. I really love the focus that you have on it because, and I'm kind of probably beating a dead horse, but it's not talked about. It's not known that nutrition can be the catalyst for helping manage this syndrome, right? Yeah. And yeah. so again, it's changing the conversations around food and restriction. And I just, I think that's so important because they're, everything gets so labeled as good or bad or, and what's good or bad for you is not really going to be good or bad for me. Right. So I love that you're really helping them with the behavior changes. I think that's a a critical piece of it, a critical piece of it. Thank you. So. You emphasize, and we talked about the restricted diets don't work. How do you bring in a more balanced approach to nutrition that leads to those sustainable health improvements?
2: Well, I really do a lot of education around kind of the root causes of PCOS in the sense of the drivers of the symptoms, because they mm-hmm. don't know the exact cause of PCOS, but we have some ideas. But we know that certain symptoms are associated with maybe like insulin resistance or inflammation or gut health. So we, I do a lot of education around that and then, you know, show them that their symptoms are linked to that. So if they want to improve their symptoms, then we need to make adjustments to the diet. less
1: anti or like kind of anti-inflammatory foods, if you will.
2: Yeah, like anti-inflammatory foods or we need to balance blood sugars a little bit better. So we're not getting um, spikes in insulin and then having the weight gain or trouble losing weight or having skin tags or things like that. Um, Because once we get the insulin levels in balance, then it won't trigger more testosterone to be made by the body. And then you won't have all those symptoms associated with high testosterone. Okay. So it's kind of like like a little vicious cycle that happens with PCOS. So I do a lot of education about like, what foods will help improve those root causes and Mm. then work on how we can incorporate that into their, to their life. I mean, it's when you look at like what a PCOS diet, it's really like a Mediterranean diet, dash diet, low glycemic index diet. It's kind of like a mix of all that. We focus a lot on like fruits, vegetables, whole grains, lean meats, seeds, nuts, colorful fruits and vegetables, herbs and spices. Mm. We're really looking at adding a lot of fiber a lot of antioxidants, omega-3s, like healthy fats and protein
1: to help balance those blood sugars. So I would assume then you're really talking about the combination of those foods. You know, if you're going to eat something sugary, then, you know, maybe have a protein or something with it it to balance out those blood sugar levels. So really kind of combining
2: those things. Yep. We look at combining the foods. So when you're looking to manage blood sugars, whether you have insulin resistance, PCOS, diabetes, whatever, or just general health you always, I always tell my clients like at least combined a high glycemic index carb or like a really sugary food or carb with a protein and a healthy fat. And that sh- slows down that digestion of the carbohydrate in your body. So it doesn't spike your blood sugar. So then you don't have a really big insulin response afterwards. Okay. It also helps keep you full and satisfied longer eating, you know, like, I don't know. I always joke like a bowl of cereal is like an appetizer for breakfast, <laughs> <laughs> eat a bowl of cereal. And you're like hungry an hour later. Cause there's really not a lot depends on what cereal you're having. I mean, but most people, you know, if you're going to eat a high sugar cereal, it's not going to be really filling or satisfying for a long time. So we need to add in extra fiber and protein and fat to balance that meal out. So then that you can you know, go every three to five hours having a meal or a snack, and then you don't have those carbohydrate cravings that are associated with PCOS and low blood sugar. So basically, yeah, we talk about a lot about combination of foods and how to incorporate their favorite foods into their life. Because if you told me I could never have another cookie, I would be very, I wouldn't listen to you.
1: No, <laughs> so. no. Cause then you're right back in the, I mean, the, the quickest way to get me to want something is to tell me I can't have it. Right. Exactly. We're just wired that way. Yeah. I always tell my clients it's,
2: you go restrict, restrict, binge, like no matter what, so you tell mm-hmm. yourself, you "Can of cookie." You're going to think, oh, "I really want that cookie. I really want that cookie. I really want that cookie," and then you're going to end up eating like healthy things around your house like dessert i'm using air quotes of like mm-hmm. a <laughs> healthy foods i call them dietitian dessert recipes because they're generally not that satisfying <laughs> and you end Give up being an example of one like a black bean brownie or something <laughs> like i used to make these black bean brownies in college all the time and i would end up eating the whole pan because it wasn't satisfying it wasn't giving me that 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 pleasure from the sugar and the mm-hmm. yummy fats and I ate the whole pan, which ends up needing more calories than if I just ate one brownie that had regular sugar or regular butter and like things like that. Yeah. So uh, when you restrict and you try to fill in with things that are not as satisfying to you, it
1: doesn't really, I think, do you a lot of good. And that's kind of like- 100% agree. Like, just give me the freaking brownie already. I won't eat four of them, but like, give me one really good brownie re- exactly. and I can move on. Exactly eat it, enjoy it,
2: enjoy that and move on. I teach a lot of my clients, like we use principles from intuitive eating. I don't know if you've um, heard of that Mm -hmm. Those principles and then mindful eating because we want to enjoy the food we're eating, but I want them to do it intentionally. Like enjoy the brownie and savor it and realize that it's delicious and then move on. But if your blood sugars are out of control and you're having cravings throughout the day and you're not you don't really, you're not intentionally and choosing to enjoy that brownie, but you're stopping at Chick-fil-A and getting a milkshake and a brownie because you're exhausted and you need energy. Like you're not really making that choice intentionally and enjoying it, if that makes sense. Right,
1: no, that totally makes sense. And when you can eat with all of your senses and really be what you want to call it, mindful eating or intuitive, like using all your senses and really being present in that process, you, you're really, I was amazed as a chronic yo-yo dieter my entire life, mm-hmm. amazed it. Yes. How much, how much faster you get full or satiated, right? Because yeah. you're kind of absorbing all of the experience. And yeah. I find that, you know, you don't eat as much at that. I guess maybe it's not full faster, but you don't you end up not eating as much than if you're just like shoveling it in because you're in a hurry, right? That really mm-hmm. slowing down, it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, It also really helps you appreciate the food and where it came from and the processes it's been through. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times we just eat food and we don't realize
2: like what exactly are we eating or where it came from. And we don't appreciate it at every step. Like, I don't think we're appreciating like beautiful tomatoes in the summer or strawberries. I live in Florida. So our strawberry season is like February, January, February. (laughs) But like when I get one of those beautiful strawberries, it's like, oh my God, these are so good. I just bought plums the other day. And I was like, oh my God, when was the last time I had plums? Like, I was so excited about the seasonal fruit.
1: Mm -hmm. I don't enjoy all the
2: time. And it was something special. Um, but well, yet- so many
1: people don't realize the benefits of eating in season and that those foods, the, that produce is at the highest of its nutritional peak at that point, right? Not to mention it's, there's a plethora of it. And so it's, it saves you money, the flavors better, the nutritional valve, the nutrient you know, packs more of a punch, if you yeah. will. Yeah. And so I do, I've done two of them. So this is the first season of the podcast, but I've done one on summer produce and one on fall flavors. And I just really love bringing those ideas to the forefront to say, don't forget, like this is the season, like go enjoy all of those things. And here are different ways that you can combine them with other foods and flavors to really savor the season, if you will. And so I I love that because they taste so much better. Like the strawberries are just juicier and sweeter and so much better than when you buy them out of season. You're like, wow, that just tastes bland right? You can get strawberries year round, but there's just nothing special.
2: Yes. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's it's slowing down and appreciating it and realizing because I think so much we we just add like, oh, we'll add sugar to the strawberries or something like that to make them taste better. But I love that you do that because I love celebrating seasons, even though we don't have them here in Florida. But it's like the produce and the flavors can help you celebrate just like if you were to celebrate like different holidays and decorations and things like that. It's like, Oh, summer corn season. Like, you know, I love fresh corn and um, like watermelon here. Cause we Mm -hmm. we have a watermelon uh, farm down the street from my house, but I'm like, Oh, I can't eat this watermelon. And now this watermelon doesn't taste like anything. Um, (laughs) It's true. They are so much more flavorful and nutritious. But so yes, you'll pretty-
1: have to check out episode five is summer flavors. And when did we do fall flavors? Not, I mean, it was just recently. Why can't I find it? That was Neil War's fall. Mm-hmm. Episode 14. That five and 14 and there's a ton of recipes and there's a link to like an ebook in the show notes for both of those episodes one of my favorites and we'll talk some of the food and then we'll get into your upcoming challenge that you want to talk about but one of my favorite recipes in there was a fried goat cheese over salad with some grilled peaches like just that sounds so good and if you've never grilled peaches like you just have to mm-hmm. yeah I think it totally game changes the peach or pineapple or things like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It really doesn't. And, and grilled pineapple with a little bit of shredded coconut can be an amazing dessert, especially with a little splash of rum on it, but it's so still delicious. healthy delicious. and delicious, right? Yes. A little brown sugar on that pineapple, grill it, top it yeah. with that coconut and a little splash of rum. Oh, so good.
2: Yeah. A little frozen yogurt or ice cream or. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'll be. Yum. delicious.
2: Yeah, and whenever I grill, I always make sure I have fruit to grill too because it just transforms it, and it just it's something special. (laughs) So it's like if you're going to fire up the grill, you might as well just grill a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah,
1: and I I know we're in fall now, but all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, and then there's grilling watermelon, and there's. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay because my grilling season's finally
2: starting because it's been so hot that I don't grill in the summer because it's I don't want to be outside. Yeah, I've I'm like grilling in January here.
1: Oh yeah, the grilled watermelon with the feta on top and balsamic vinegar. I can get me all excited. So, what's your favorite? So, we've talked a lot about the nutrition side. So, let's talk about the fun side of food for a minute, as Mm -hmm. we have been about produce. But, like, what are some of your very favorite things to cook that maybe one of your clients could expect to see? You know, them starting to work into their schedule, lifestyle, cooking habits. Oh, man. What's hard um, for me this morning? <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> I love to
2: cook. So I love to experiment and I love to like challenge myself while looking in the fridge and be like, ooh, what can I create? But I realized that not everybody loves that. <laughs> and not everybody <laughs> loves cooking. So clients, I kind of like tailor their recipes and guidance based on like their level of comfort. Mm-hmm. Um, but things that I'm always cooking that I love to cook is I love whole grains. Like I love like farro. I
1: love barley. I just love like the chew of it. Oh, it Honestly. makes a fabulous ferroto. The risotto made with farro with is so good. Yes. I have a cooking course and
2: I have a mushroom ferroto, like a <laughs> mm, um, farro risotto recipe mm-hmm. in there. So I love whole grains. I love that you can add them to soups and salads. I do a lot of like roasted vegetables and like grains. So my go-to is always like some roasted vegetables, some whole grains, usually some feta, and then some like freshness with like herbs or scallions and things like that. Those are my kind of, that's like my quick go-to salad. I do love like a chickpea salad. That's Mm -hmm. pretty common to be like a lunch. Cucumbers, tomatoes, chickpeas, feta, and then you can add a protein, more protein if you want. I love doing, I love making like quick pasta dishes because I have a a three-year-old. So my style of cooking has changed, you know? (laughs) Because before I had a kid, I would make el- all these elaborate meals and all my side dishes would pair perfectly with my entree. I was crazy. Now I'm like, okay, <laughs> what can I make in 15 minutes? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so I do a lot of sheet pan meals and I do a lot of like pasta and add in a lot of veggies and proteins to that. Cause it's like a way to, del- I think of pasta as like a way to deliver more nutrition. Yeah. I make a lot of energy bites cause my daughter loves them. So I take like oats and flax seeds, hemp seeds, chocolate chips, peanut butter, maple syrup, cinnamon. And we just like mix them up and make little balls.
1: Ooh, maybe you could give us um, a few recipes for the show note, like for those energy bites. You know, I I have so many clients and people that are just looking for time-saving recipes right now. I'm going to caveat that with, I can give you all the time-saving recipes in the world. Are you going to change the behavior about how you plan to cook them And incorporate it into your life, right? I mean, nobody ever cooked more or saved time because they had 100 more recipes. So, Mm -hmm. at the crux of it, there's something deeper. Like, if you're not getting to that and you're still not enjoying cooking or not feeling like you can take that step forward, there's something else deeper there, right? Yeah, I agree. Because I'll
2: have clients that are like, well, I don't wanna cook and I don't wanna eat vegetables, but I want to improve my PCOS. I'm like, okay, well. When it comes to, you know, we have the choices of things. It's like either we have invest time, money, uh, I don't know, it's like one other thing. <laughs> <Yeah. just> like <laughs> with with nutrition, unless you have someone creating all your food or eating, you, you mm-hmm. have to we yeah. have to invest some kind of time into it if you want the outcome. So that's where I I use like motivational interviews, because then i will be like, well, what's your main goal? And it we kind of get down to what that is, and then we kind of backtrack and add. The behaviors around that. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to prepare meals for your family that you're sourcing the ingredients, you know what's in the food, you're taking the time to enjoy it, we have to invest some of that time in there. If we want to make sure we're preventing afternoon crashes, you know, and low energy slumps, but you don't take the time to plan and prep for that at one point, like you're going to have to be prepared to purchase expensive snacks and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So if you don't have that income and who wants to spend like the pop I have Individually packaged bars are like 3 or $4 each. We do have to spend time in the beginning of the week, sometimes prepping up a little bit of things. But the energy bites, I love them because they're, you can freeze them. So I usually scale the recipe to like two or three. And then I make them, I mean, my daughter helps me, she's three, and then we put them in the freezer. And then we always, I can pull out one or two. I keep them in my bag. So when I, my emergency snacks, I call them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the mom bag. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but
2: yeah, in time-saving recipes, I mean- I think of it as like, what do you want to spend your most time with when you're cooking? So sometimes you could do like easy 15 minute meals or is time saving to you things that you stock up and put in your freezer mm-hmm. so you can just pull or do you want to cook like once a week and then have
1: meals for the whole week? Yeah. And in my programs, we also talk a lot about like- I love sheet pan meals, right? Other people love cooking with the slow cooker or the Instapot. I do think there's an element of experimentation to find out. Like a lot of people say, I just hate cooking. Well, there's a reason that you hate cooking. And so what have you tried that didn't work, right? That you didn't like. And then what is it that you really don't like about it? And so we'll go through sheet pan meals. Maybe it's a slow cooker. Maybe it's figuring out freezer meals or meal prep. It's really about figuring out like, oh, wait, I, again, it goes back to that building that confidence of Mm -hmm. you probably don't like slow cooker meals because for whatever reason, they didn't taste good to you. And so then you don't want to cook them. And there's so often that like, that's the time-saving option that's toted so much, right? Is the slow cooker. Yeah. And but I never have time in the morning to put that together. So No, that's where freezer meals come in, right? I mean, I would rather do a freezer meal and an Instapot any day over the slow cooker. Yeah. But I think that there are different styles that you just have to figure out what really feels good to you and feels comfortable and then lean into that, right? To build that confidence. And so to say that I think anybody can actually enjoy cooking or enjoy something about cooking, right? It's just finding it. And and like you said, being willing to put in the time, but then there's also recognizing that there is a level of acceptance of failure that they're not all gonna be winners and that's okay. It doesn't mean you're a shitty cook. It just means that maybe it was a bad recipe.
2: Yeah, exactly. We put so much, that's so interesting because we put so much emphasis on like, oh my God, I'm a horrible cook. It's like, maybe you're just choosing bad recipes. Like if, I don't know, if you're going to Pinterest and you're looking for recipes, like that's probably the problem. (laughs)
1: Right. They're not all
2: created equal. Yeah. They're like, how do you, why, how are you, why is everything you make so good? I'm like, I go to really good sources for recipes.
1: Well, that, and then I've been cooking long enough that I know how to take a recipe. And if I don't love the flavor profile of it, I know how to change it up so that I do, it doesn't mean that it was a a waste. Right. And Mm -hmm. so I work a lot with my clients too on, okay, so take this recipe, cook it the way it is now cook it again. And change out one ingredient, see if that makes it better, right? Like maybe you things like, it goes back to, I like, I use quite a bit of salt in my food because salt makes things taste better. It makes everything taste better. But there's some people that don't like a lot of salt, right? And so again, it's, you have to get comfortable being, I think to lean into the joy of cooking, you have to be comfortable making those adjustments and playing with it. But it took me a long time to get to that space where I was willing to accept failure as an option. Right. And so I cook something different every night of the week. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think I ever for the first 10 or 15 years I cooked, I don't think I ever cooked the same recipe twice.
2: Oh my God. Because I was, that's literally me. Like I would tell people, I'm like, why would you wait cook the same thing twice when you have new flavors that you could like
1: try the next night? Right. Well, because I worked all day and I now I have a three-year-old and you know what? Like tacos sound really good and really easy right now. But it's amazing how long it took me to get to the point where I'm like, okay, I can't have tacos once a week Mm -hmm. or whatever the, I can't, you know, I get bored really easy with food, but so I'm not great at leftovers. I have to repurpose them into something else or they won't get eaten. And that's
2: great too. That's a great strategy too, for like meal planning and prepping too, for people that don't want to cook every day, time constraints or something like that is to cook like a meat that then you could use in a variety of
1: ways. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. okay, so you mentioned that you have a five day challenge from chaos to calm. An- another fellow fan of alliteration I see. <laughs> yes. um, I saw <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So it's, tell um, us more about your challenge and how people can participate.
2: Yeah, it's called From Chaos to Calm. It's a five-day PCOS meal challenge. It's five days of emails. It's an email challenge that you can start at any time, but it does head spread over like 10 days. So you can head over to my website and I'll give the information in the show notes. It's Be Balanced Nutrition RD. You can sign up there. But it's every day, it's like a new topic that's talking about like meal planning and meal prepping. And like one of those barriers mm-hmm. that we have. Mm-hmm. So we have all these different barriers to the habits of what we want to achieve. So like, let's say we want to, you know, increase the vegetables that we're consuming or we want to increase the type of proteins perhaps certain proteins or more plant-based proteins or whatever it is. So each day talks about a different strategy when it comes to meal planning and meal prepping. And then you get three recipes and video recipes, as well as the PDF. So you'll get the information one day, and then I'll give you a couple of days to like go out and buy the ingredients and apply it. So it's definitely like an actionable challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll get another email with some more recipes to try out with another topic. And then that way at the end, you'll have a collection of recipes, things that you've tried And like you had said before, we have to start trying new recipes and getting them into our repertoire. And then you can adjust after you feel comfortable because you want to be able to have some like recipes in your back pocket that you know that you can kind of go to, especially if you don't feel comfortable in the kitchen or confident, you don't like meal planning. We need to get comfortable with some recipes so you can easily, you know, make a dinner that night, basically.
1: I love it. I might have to steal that idea shamelessly. No, yeah. I love that idea. Yeah, You know, I haven't thought about trying to deliver something like via email, and that sounds like an awesome challenge. And I think breaking it down in actionable steps that one in every day is so much more approachable. You know, I've done some challenges in the Facebook group that I ran for a while, and I love challenges. Mm -hmm. But to get people to show up every day is, you know, that can be difficult because all of our lives are busy. Yes. And we forget about it or whatever. And so an email is really on their time. There's no place they have to go. It just, it's just there. And that makes it really, really easy and accessible. So So if it takes you five months to completely challenge, that's okay.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) At least you're trying the, you know, you're trying the recipes and it gives you a bunch of options you're always going to have like a couple recipes you can choose Um, and then there are a couple days where we talk about like culinary skills so there's like knife skills um, videos in there as well like how to because like people don't realize like how to cut a bell pepper or how to cut an onion and that might be one of the barriers that they have Mm -hmm. um, to cooking because
1: sometimes the knife is scary (laughs) so well it is and sometimes recipes just have words that are not they don't sound like they're from the english language or yeah, they're like, I don't even know, what what does that mean? Like, what is a mm-hmm. julienne? I'm like, think matchsticks, right? So like there are like, there's even, I think, a, a lesson to be had in how to read recipes so that you know what you're getting into, right? And oh, yeah. I- Yeah, like,
2: yes, reading the recipe, reading how to prepare the ingredients. Because they always mm-hmm. change like, you know, whether it's one cup of chopped onion or one onion chopped, you know, like <laughs> what the measurement of it that is. Yeah. Um, and that's why I like the video component so they can watch all the recipes being made mm-hmm. uh, because sometimes a, a food might seem really complicated or scary when you look at it. And then when you watch the recipe, you're like, oh, I, that's not that hard at, at all. You know, like making a dressing, that's that's one of the things I love making is dressings too. But making <laughs> a dressing can be super simple. So it depends on the kind of learner that you are, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I... I've loved talking food with you and it's so fun to meet and connect with people who are doing things along the same lines, but with a different perspective. I think we can, you know, learn from each other. And it's just great to know that, you know, women out there have a plethora of resources depending on, you know, who speaks to you, who do you feel the most comfortable with and what are the challenges you're trying to overcome. And so the more resources we can get in the hands of women and get them confident more confident in the kitchen, whatever that looks like, the better, right? Yeah. that's awesome. Yes, exactly it. So, um, are there any other resources um, that you offer that could be beneficial for our community that you want to share before we sign off or yeah, anything else you, you want to cover?
2: Uh, on my website, Be Balanced Nutrition RD, I have a blog where I give lots of freebies away. So I have meal plans, like a seven-day PCOS meal plan, an anti-inflammatory meal plan, grocery lists, breakfast list. I just a bunch of ideas and recipes on there. you out with the meal plans, it, they're just a guide. So it's just to kind of get you an idea from the conversation. You might realize like, I'm not a dietitian. It's like, oh, here's a meal plan, follow it. And that's what you need to do. But sometimes people need a guidance and then there are mm-hmm. recipes that you can utilize. And you could also sign up for the free challenge. And I am on Instagram. I do do cooking demos quite often. So I'm at your.pcos.dietitian. And then I in the next few months I'm releasing a new membership. It's still in the works, but it's the PCS meal prep membership. So it's really designed to help you get those PCOS-friendly meals on the table without all the stress associated with it, because <laughs> it is very stressful. So if you sign up for my newsletter or the
1: course, you'll get information as it kind of rolls out. Okay. It's just so funny because I just launched a membership called the Cook, Connect, and Conquer Club. And it's all about coming together and doing a cook-along and preparing a meal together and then having discussions about food. So like somehow oh it's God. like we're sharing a brainwave or something. <laughs> we are. So the same thing. (laughs) Like you said
2: about like, you know, eat a meal twice. Like I could go ask my husband, I said the same thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, the last thing I'm going to say about that, because we've talked about meal plans a lot is, you know, there's nothing wrong with a done for you meal plan, but again, it is a guide. So take it, follow it. And if you're finding that it's hard to follow, and you're still not getting the results that you want, that's really when you need to reach out to Maggie or I for assistance and check out our services. Because if the meal plan and the recipe resources that you have aren't doing the trick, I bet one of us has something that will help you. So don't hesitate to reach out in the comments on our social media pages. We're here to help. Yeah, so, definitely. Maggie, thank you so much. We are definitely going to stay in touch. And yes, I thank hope you think- so much a great rest of your day. Listeners,
0: I will see you or talk to you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please go hit that follow button, subscribe, leave us a review. And if you're ready to change what mealtime looks like for you, breaking that cycle of chaos and having more fun in the kitchen, build some confidence and discover your love of cooking, schedule your free dish with Trish call at the link in the show notes. We'll chat a few minutes and you'll walk away with personalized strategies to take your mealtime routine from tired to inspired. See you next time.